This week on the Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast, we're talking Alone, episode 13 of season 4, written by Curtis Gwynn and directed by Ernest Dickerson. We'll be right back after this. the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kulzik, TV editor of Sound on Sight, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, editor-in-chief of Sound on Sight, Ricky D. Hello, Kate. And joining us this week to talk about Alone, which is episode 13 of season four, is Alex Brown, who, of course, writes for Tor.com and is also an archivist and librarian and all sorts of other very interesting things. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hi. So, as we always say at the top of these podcasts, for those who are, are new to the Sunset Walking Dead podcast, we will keep everything spoiler-free. I have not read any of the comics. Ricky has read some of them, but we are approaching the point where he will be just as in the dark as I am. Uh, well, maybe less. I don't know. I tend to be oblivious on these things. Uh, Alex, what is your relationship with the, the Walking Dead graphic novels and comics and all of that? Um, I read them as they came out. I abandoned them sh- like the volume or so after a very tragic event, which uh, any readers will probably know. And uh, it has sort of never gone back. I have absolutely no interest in the comics. I can't do the tragedy porn anymore. <laughs> I just can't do it. But I've been reviewing every episode of the television show, and I did cover the prequel book that they released, The Rise of the Governor. And uh, for those who are worried, we will not be spoiling anything from future episodes of of the TV show or from anything that comes in the comics that has not already happened on screen. We may discuss the differences between what's on screen and what's in the comic of things that have already happened, but that is it. Disclaimer out of the way. Alex, what did you think of this week's episode, and what have you thought of this half of the season as a whole? Um, basically, meh. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I get what they're doing. I think it's really heavy handed. But then again, The Walking Dead is always heavy handed and lacks in subtlety. But at least they're trying to address the lack of character development that we've had for, you know, four seasons now. So I get it. It's working. It's not my favorite thing in the world. But you know, hey, I like Daryl, so. <laughs> now, how does this episode, which it follows very much in the pattern of, the, of this half of the season, of focusing in very distinctly on one of these, you know, se- segments of our, you know, very fractured group, how does this one, uh, which mostly focuses on, on Bob and Sasha, compare to some of the other pairings we've had this season? Well, I think it it works in some respects in that, uh, it, like I said, it helps us get to know Bob and Sasha and... I wish they did something with Maggie. I am so sick of her like ongoing love journey for Glenn. It's exhausting and it's been about two seasons too long, but at least we're getting to know Bob and Sasha. I still don't particularly care. I mean, my interest in Bob is entire is um, centered entirely around the uh, Larry Gilliard jr. I mean, he's a great actor and he's doing so he's doing what Norman Reedus did with Daryl. Like they're taking these blank, nothing actor or nothing characters and turning them into something really interesting, fascinating based on their acting work alone. And 
I'm not sure who the woman is who plays Sasha, but she's not quite there yet. Or maybe she just isn't brave enough to push that character. I mean, it took Dana, and I'm always butchering her name. Um, it take her, took her a while to really push Michonne. So maybe that actor is just not there yet with Sasha. But, oh, God, I just don't care. When Sasha sat in that railroad, whatever it was she was in, that big factory, I was like, oh, can we pan away now? I don't care at all. I want to see Glenn sit in the middle of the road. That's what I want to see. <laughs> the, the actress who plays Sasha is Sonequa Martin-Green, and, of course, Denai Guerrera yes. is uh, the actress playing playing Michonne, missed by me somewhat in this episode. Yes. Though I did, I, I think I liked this episode more than you did, Alex, because I did I connect more with Sasha than it sounds like you did. I do agree, though, that there's there's a bit of a problem with how the characters handled this week in that, I, I and I'm, Ricky, I'm going to toss to you next, but I, I think because we all knew what, you know, pretty much everybody who was watching had a sense of what her hesitancy was and and why and we there are a set number of options of responses that would make sense so we I don't think we could really be surprised by that and I think that kind of hurt her arc or her decision making over the course of the episode Ricky how did that work for you that character in that arc as well as the episode as a whole which character Sasha um I don't care about Sasha I mean, I don't even think we've seen her smile once. She always has the same kind of like blank expression on her face. She's always upset. Uh, they are not doing the actress any favors. I don't think it's the actress that's to blame. I think it's the material given to these actors throughout the whole entire season. Um, so I just don't care about Sasha. I mean, we spent the whole entire episode following around Sasha, Bob, and Maggie, who s- walk around in circles only to separate, only to once again reunite at the end of the episode, which we already knew would happen. And um, I agree with most of what Alex has said, but in terms of getting to know these characters and building them, I don't really know what we learned about Bob or Sasha in this episode. We already know that Bob was an alcoholic. We already know that Bob uh, worked in the military. He's like a medic. We already know that Bob survived the two previous groups. He was the last survivor. But we didn't really learn anything about these two characters. I loved last week's episode, and I'm really curious to know why, Alex, you didn't like last week's episode, because I thought... Um, I, I really like the character beats. I like the dialogue between Beth and Daryl last week. I think they are far more interesting than, or at least in that episode, they were far more, more interesting than the characters we get in this episode, including the Beth and, and Daryl scenes of this episode. I do like the Beth and Daryl scenes in this episode, but compared to the Sasha, Bob, and Maggie scenes, I mean, I like this episode. It was okay, but I think meh is a perfect way to describe it. The best part of this episode, Kate, is the dog. Because, I mean, someone actually yeah. someone actually retweeted yesterday. They're like, I think uh, the Walking Dead writers secretly listen to the San Jose Walking Dead podcast because every time I ask for something, we get it eventually. And I've been asking for a dog for, what, like two, three seasons now? We finally get a dog. And actually, someone told me, one of my friends told me that he read somewhere online that Norman Reedus has asked for a dog. Like, he wants his character, Daryl, to have a dog, has a companion. He's asked for it, like, several times for the past two years, but the writers refused to give him a dog. So in this episode, they kind of gave him a dog, you know? But <laughs> it was like, the dog would only show up for one season. I do love the sequence in the graveyard and in the funeral home. I kept thinking of Six Feet Under, but I also thought of, like, some classic, like, zombie films, like Return of Night of Living Dead. And, you know, just the idea of them, like, arriving at the graveyard. Like, what better place to put your characters when you know you're, you're dealing with a show about zombies i thought it was fantastic and i love the sequence in which the zombies storm into the house and i really honestly thought that daryl would get bit because every time beth starts dating someone or has a crush on someone that person dies and also going back to last week's episode 
in which Beth says that Daryl will be the last man standing, I was like, that can go one of two ways. It means he's actually going to be the last character standing. He's going to last till the very end of the series and or he's going to die very soon. So I was actually, for the first time, Kate, like scared that Daryl would die. So that was a very effective sequence. There was a lot of good moments in this episode. Um, I'm just not hot on the Sasha character. And I totally agree, Alex. I am so sick of Maggie and Glenn. I, I like Glenn and Maggie. I do, you know, but I'm not... I don't like what they're doing with their characters this season. I really don't. Oh, one last thing, Kate. For the past two weeks, I've been complaining about the fact that nobody tries to leave a sign, you know, like, you know, use blood or spray paint or something like to let their friends know in case they survived where they're headed. And Maggie finally does it. She actually does something interesting and smart in this episode. At least she had the brains to do it. I'm just going to chime in here quickly that uh, I like this episode more than last week's. I was more interested in in Bob than I was in Beth, though I think the the conversations we got with backstory last week were much needed and, and I enjoyed that. I actually am more interested in this one. So that I think that will be entertaining. But uh I want to throw it back over to Alex. Earlier Ricky asked why you weren't as big a fan as he was of the episode last week. So what what did you think of, of last week's episode and how does it relate to what we see this week? last week I guess it's that last week and this week are almost exactly the same for me in concept, uh, and which is why I both am kind of like, you know, all right, fine with with both of them. They both attempt to take characters of which we have absolutely knowledge, no firm knowledge of their backstory and fill it in, except what they're filling it in with is exactly what we could have guessed had we, you know, taken 30 seconds to go, hmm, I wonder what Bob has been doing before he showed up at the prison. I mean, there's there's no revelations that we're getting with Beth, Daryl, Bob, or or Sasha that is actually new or interesting or creative. I mean, with Michonne, when we got her backstory, I mean, that blew me away. The And the sadness and the tragedy and seeing her with these people, and they didn't spell anything out. They let us guess and figure it out. I mean, that was fantastic. Excuse me. That was fantastic. But what happened with Bob is, oh, hey, Bob's sitting in a cave drinking, you know, cough syrup. Well, okay. Well, I figured he was a drunk and where else are you going to get alcohol in the apocalypse? So sure, fine, whatever. So the reason, I mean, I guess if I had to compare the two, I liked, I liked last week's more than this week's, but only by virtue of the fact that it was 100% Daryl and Beth. I mean, I didn't find Beth interesting at all until she started hanging out with Daryl. And man, I really like her now. In fact, I would give anything, anything at all for her and Daryl to just kidnap Judith and go back and live in the funeral home. And they could just eat pickled pig's meat for the rest of eternity. That would be perfect. I'd love it. That's all I need from the show. I'd screw the rest of them all. That's all I want to see. But... You know, with the Bob and Sasha, so I mean, yeah, like I said, Larry Gillier Jr. is he's a great actor and he made the scenes, the non Daryl and Beth scenes, he made those interesting. Like he was the one that rooted it. When it was just Maggie and Sasha talking, I mean, I usually watch and take notes at the same time. And I was like, oh, great, those two are talking. And I'm, you know, wandering around on Tumblr and Twitter while listening to them nom, 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 on and on and on. And then Bob shows back up. I'm like, hey, it's Bob again. You know, I just there was so much less Beth and Daryl and I don't care. And what they're trying to get me to care about just isn't interesting enough. Sasha's motivation. She didn't get any motivation. Like her motivation is what? Like, I want to be alone or I don't want to be alone or I don't care about Glenn and Maggie. I mean, if that's her motivation, that she doesn't want to have to watch this great OTP reunite at Terminus. I get that. 
let her say that. If her motivation is, I think my brother is dead. Okay, well, yeah, but everybody's dead. You know, that's what you're so afraid that he's dead that you don't want to go and find out. I mean, come on. That's, it, it's the zombie apocalypse. Everybody's dead, you know. But I just want to add one thing. I guess the thing that really kind of bothered me the most about this is Maggie has spent the last, what, how many episodes obsessed about the whereabouts of her husband, of her possibly and probably dead husband, given all the evidence that she has. And she doesn't once even go, hey, I wonder where my sister is. She's never left a single note for Beth. She's never asked about Beth. She's never gone, God, I hope my sister's made it determined. Nothing. She's just thrown her sister off for dead and gone off and obsessed about her husband. And at least Beth is interested in getting the group back. But the fact that Maggie doesn't apparently care at all for her own sister really, really pisses me off. Totally agree. No, I actually I disagree because while I think that maybe they need to apparently, like I had just sort of assumed that she did care and it sounds like you guys feel like she doesn't care. So maybe they do need to show this, but it makes sense to me that if Beth assumes Maggie, who we've seen be uber competent in fighting walkers is dead, then come on, Beth, eh, really? Are we surprised that she thinks it's way more likely that Glenn survived than Beth? I don't think it's about what we're surprised about. I think it's about the fact that they're writing a female character once again, that revolves totally around the man and how she depends on the man and how she loves the man. I'm sorry, Kate. I do not like that. She has never once asked or mentioned her sister. And that is a problem. That's because she assumes Beth is dead. Why wouldn't Beth be dead? She still needs to say that though. She needs to have a life outside. Just like Ricky said, she needs, none of these women have lives outside of their men with possible exception of Michonne. But even still we get her with, with her, we get her backstory as it relates to the men in her life. And, and we mean, Everybody gets the backstory that relates to the men in their lives. Yeah, Sasha Sasha mentions Tyrese. You know, I'm sure Tyrese mm-hmm. mentioned Sasha and, you know, so on and so forth. And, I, you know, I, I, what I find confusing, though, is – well, actually, Alex, you, you did say that you liked last week's episode better. I don't think last week's episode was about revelations. I think last week's episode was about these people finding a reason to just live, you know. And I like the fact that they just want to get a drink of alcohol, like drink some moonshine, sit down and play a game, uh, you know, just – actually do something aside from walking around in circles and moping around and killing zombies. And in this week's episode, um, we might not get any revelations, but once again, the reason why the Beth and Daryl scenes work is because we get Daryl lying in a coffin, chilling while Beth is on the piano singing a song. Like they are doing more than just walking around in circles, which is what we get with Bob, Maggie and um, and Sasha, but you know you're totally right because Lawrence Gillard Jr. is doing a fantastic job, and he's the one that saved this episode, which is why I still like this episode. Pine for summer, and we'll buy a beard, a shotgun, and we'll lay in our and we'll be good. Place is nailed up tight. Yep. All the way in through the front door. What are you doing? Oh, this is the comfiest bed I've had in years. Really? I ain't kidding. Just go ahead and play some more. Keep singing. 
I thought my singing annoyed you. There ain't no jukebox, though. Well, and I, to go back to Maggie quickly, she hasn't mentioned that her father died either. So I, yes, I, she did. When did she mention yeah. that? She mentioned she was talking about um, her father getting beheaded a couple of episodes. It was one of those offhanded comments, like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, and my dad is dead, and everybody's dead, and that. But you know, she doesn't obsess about him certainly. But she knows he's dead. She knows he's dead. She doesn't have any, for crying out loud, Beth could be ticking around in the same place as Terminus. And then she doesn't even say, I hope she's there. I, I suppose, yeah. So I guess that's the difference in how we're reacting to it. Uh, with, with, or Maggie's, you know, relationship with, with Beth. Because for me, it just seemed clear that, you know, when she has had, you know, processing that her father's dead, she's also decided that it, that that Beth is dead, and maybe that, and I, I'll give you guys that one. That that is something that actively occurred to me while I was watching the episode. Um, I, and I gotta go with uh, with these scenes with uh, Beth and Daryl. I I absolutely loved seeing for once. It's something we've complained about on this podcast uh, frequently. I act I actively uh, was enjoying and sort of gleeful that we saw them living, and that we saw them living and not just surviving. And so to see her sit down and play the piano and to see Daryl enjoy <laughs> a coffin and to see, you know, the them just sort of marveling at a clean and kept house, all of those little touches I thought were really great. I would also tie in with that, actually getting some insight in, into Bob and the fact that he can smile and, the, you know, where he's at and that he's enjoying his time. I thought the cold open was once again really well done. Not as suspenseful as last week's, of course, because it's you know going for something different. But I thought it was really well uh, well executed. Good performance, but also good editing. Good uh, you know good writing for you know the different elements or where where he finds himself. So I act- actually was seeing that same element of living and enjoying life outside of just mere survival in Ben in Bob's scenes as well as Beth and uh, Daryl's. I totally agree. And I also like the music selection once again. Again, Bob was fantastic in this episode. We're not going to disagree on that, Kate. Yeah, but it's a contrast when you have you, – because I think having Bob and Sasha next to each other, I absolutely agree. They need to work on Sasha's motivation, and that didn't really – I didn't really buy that, so I'm absolutely with you guys there. But I think you have Bob and Sasha as contrast. So we see Bob embracing more about being alive, and we see Sasha not. I think if they're both the same, it's not as interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think the reason that Beth worked last episode was because she spent so much time with Daryl and we got the rub off effect of liking Daryl so much. And so we put up with a lot more of Beth's, you know, slowly unfurling character development. We don't get that much time with Bob in the past. And so he doesn't carry any of that affection. Uh, I mean, other than as an actor, I mean, he's a great actor, but we don't have that sort of audience attachment to him in the same way that we do Daryl. And so any rub off effect that he has on Sasha is automatically diminished. I mean, it, and, and the fact that we spent even less time with them than we did with Beth and Daryl last episode. So there's less to go on. There's less uh, carryover affection. There's less everything. Mm-hmm. And so it just doesn't work. There's just nothing there to have. We had a full episode of Bob and Sasha getting to know each other. Yeah. But, oh, my God, that would be the most boring episode in the world. It'd be like being stuck on a farm again. You know, it's just there. It, it's in one way, it's too little too late. In another way, what they're doing, what they're offering me in terms of interest to get me hooked on these characters, I don't care. And in another way, 
they're going to die. You know, the, uh, we've got too many characters now. They just introduced a whole new Jeff Cobra's Creeper gang. You know, it's there's so many characters floating around. And heaven knows how many people are going to be a Terminus that we're going to have to get to know. We now have this, this huge, massive population and they're, and we're going to have to lose a whole bunch of people, and we're probably going to lose the black people because, frankly, that's what we do. That's what the show does. Well, we, so I don't care. <laughs> I think to be fair, it's it's it is harder to like Sasha's character in this episode because she represents the more cynical side of the coin. And the thing is, she might actually have a point in where she says that it seems too good to be true. Like she's scared to go to this location because she thinks that you know something bad's going to happen. And, and I, I do think that she is afraid of knowing for sure, 100% that her brother is dead and or alive. Like, like, of course she wants to know he's alive, but she's afraid to, you know, find out because she really deep down inside thinks that he is dead. Um, going back to Maggie really quick though, is I don't think that Maggie really has a reason to think that Glenn's dead. I mean, first of all, she believes it inside, like apart from her being emotionally connected to Glenn and yada, yada, um, I mean, when she did arrive at the bus, she found every single corpse except for Glenn's corpse. And that is enough reason to give her hope to move on. The show and the characters are walking around in circles. And in this specific episode, they actually walk around in circles. <laughs> and that's what I didn't like about it. Whereas with Beth and Daryl, you know, we get to a new location. It's a graveyard. And then we get to the funeral home. And that adds a little bit of spice, a little bit of je ne sais quoi to the episode. It's a lot more interesting than watching them walk around in circles in the forest. To be fair, we did get the great sequence in which they are surrounded by fog you know so it's a very uh common horror trope and they have to fight off the zombies that was kind of cool but i mean compared to the beth and daryl scenes i mean it, it it's like night and day i mean the beth and daryl scenes are the highlight of this episode i think and also i'm confused about something did beth drive away or was she kidnapped or like no woman leaves her purse spilled on the ground like it just doesn't happen she, yeah. she couldn't have driven away in some i'm convinced it's like a creepy preacher rapist human trafficking scheme in the apocalypse or something but no she couldn't she wouldn't have driven away she certainly wouldn't have driven away with leading daryl but you don't drop your purse and get in a random car and run off okay that's what i thought all right yeah, and that also, because otherwise all of her, because that was the thing, next thing I was going to actually bring up. Uh, and, and I would not be surprised, given Walking Dead, uh, you know, convenience factor, and that actually I was a little surprised to not have uh, the, 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 the group with Maggie and Bob Ray happen to walk past Daryl. I was kind of waiting for that to happen. But I would not be surprised if the creepy Jeff Cobra rapey gang has Beth. And that's what's coming next. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll see where that where that goes. But the other thing with that is that if it, if she had just driven off, that would negate all of her growth. We saw like two seconds before then, she says that she's not leaving him, yeah. and and we we you know made a big step towards liking her even more. I mean, I've liked the character for a couple seasons now, but towards liking her even more because she's being proactive and learning how to track and how to hunt, and that would be undone. Yeah, she got kidnapped, but I don't think it's uh, anyone related to the gang. I think this is the character who's actually living in the funeral home, which I think can make it really interesting character. Uh, the thing is, we're not entirely sure if he's actually bad or good. Like, I mean, he could have in his head, he could have thought that he was helping her, like grabbing her and putting her in the car and driving away because the place is being is now surrounded by zombies. And or maybe he kidnapped her. We're not sure. Maybe he's the owner of the dog. 
I think he actually brought the zombies. I think he saw the Daryl and Beth hanging out in his house and whatever his motivation is for taking Beth only, which frankly can't be good. Um, but I think he brought those zombies. He may have even had the dog, like you said, Ricky, but um, he cert- I think he certainly brought those zombies and led them to attack that house and then uh, ran off with Beth to drive her off. That would certainly make a lot more sense than them randomly showing up en masse at that house. That didn't make any sense. So yeah. I hadn't connected that together, but that would make more sense. But I did, uh, that, that group we get at the end with Daryl is, is, for me, is very conspicuously male. Uh, they don't even, they don't have one badass looking woman in that group. And so I think that's a distinct choice. And given their comments about Michonne last week, or the week, was it? No, that was last week, I would not be surprised to, you know, see the show finally address some of the unfortunate uh, sex trafficking and, uh, you know, victimization that would, one assumes, happen with this kind of a group. It was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... I'm going to stay very clear of spoilers here, but I, those who have read further along in the comics um, might recognize a certain storyline going forward. And I'm interested to see uh, like how they, how the show did with Lori and Judith. I'm interested to see how they take this other storyline that is really graphic and violent in the comic and uh, translate it to screen. Cause it feels kind of like they might be going in that direction. Scott and Gimple recently in an interview uh, stated that they have an episode coming up that is going to be extremely controversial, like the most controversial episode of The Walking Dead. But from my understanding, it's going to be one of the next three episodes because he was specifically talking about season four. And so far, I haven't really seen anything that's extremely controversial. Um, So I'm trying to speculate as to what that can be. Just based on what we've seen so far in the season and the characters we already have, I'm thinking it might revolve around uh, Lizzie, you know, like maybe... The girl dies. I'm not entirely sure, but but um, yeah, they have something big planned. I'm actually really excited for the next three episodes, specifically the last two episodes, because Michelle McLaren is directing the final episode of the season and David S. Goye is directing the penultimate episode of the season. Interesting. Uh, see, now I just keep thinking, I, don't, I know very little about what happens in the comics. So uh, to keep everything on, on spoiler, uh, spoiler free, uh, uh, Alex, are you fearing that they're gonna pull a Michonne with Beth? What happens to her? Um, <laughs> sort of. And yeah, kind of in a way. Uh, what happens in the comic doesn't involve Michonne, or at least not the storyline that I'm talking about. Oh, okay. um, but uh, it, that's much later on. Uh, the storyline that mm-hmm. I'm talking about, I think, is later on. Honestly, I like I said, it all started to blur together into tragedy porn, and I just kind of zoned out on it. I, I couldn't read it anymore. Um, so I'm mixing up my timelines. But it does involve a young person, um, although not the same young person as, as the show. Mm-hmm. But I think the obtuse speculation about the uh, comic may not be the best uh, way to spend our time, so I will stop doing that. Let's talk more specifically about some of the other elements of this episode. Uh, I really did enjoy that opening song, which you already referenced, uh, Ricky. I was also enjoying the orchestration elsewhere in the score, uh, particularly I, there were some, some nice fiddle touches that I was enjoying. Were there other uh, production elements or uh, you know parts of the this you know, putting everything together that you guys were noticing this week? Hmm. 
I, I just really like the set piece, the funeral home. I love the way that whole sequence was shot. I love the graveyard. I love the lighting. Um, you, you know, like the, the fog sequence, I really like the fog sequence, but it actually looked like it was shot on like a, a stage or like a sound stage. Like it didn't actually look like it was shot outdoors. I still liked it, but I was just hoping that we would stick around in the funeral home and, and around the graveyard for at least one more episode. I thought that would have been really cool. I, I honestly, Kate, I wasn't the biggest fan of the way it was directed. I don't think it was like terrible, but I don't think it was as well directed, edited, or scored as last week's episode, for example. Interesting, Alex. I don't know. I mean, it, it works. Uh, uh, like Ricky said, I don't think it was as well done as last week's. Um, but I think last week's benefited from being in a more or less one location. Uh, the wood stuff just doesn't work for me, and it hasn't worked for me since they spent that the season premiere wandering around the same patch of woods all the time. It's every I don't know where they're shooting this in Georgia, but it feels like they've shot all of the wood scenes in one patch of woods and like one acre of woods. It's the same trees, it's the same type of plants, it's the same dirt. Like they just keep moving the characters around and it's giving me a really hard time figuring out where they're supposed to be because apparently the entirety of Georgia looks like one square acre of woods. There's just no difference. There's no water, there's no nothing. There's just a couple of wood, a couple of roads, some train tracks and trees. So I can't the trees aren't particularly interesting, you know, four episodes into seeing the same trees. I, I don't know. It's just even, it could have been the world's greatest director. I mean, they could have had Carrie Fukunaga or um, from uh, true, from true detective. They could have had him shoot, you know, shoot the thing. And it still would have been like, "Eh." but you know, Ernest R. Dickerson, who's directed several episodes of the walking dead. He used to be Spike Lee's go-to cinematographer. Like he shot Mo better blues and Malcolm X and the thing about him is that I'm trying to figure out what episodes he's directed in the past from The Walking Dead, because if I'm not mistaken, he's directed some of my least favorite episodes, which is surprising because he's not only uh, an established director, but he's an established cinematographer. Yeah, but you can't translate film sense into television sense. I mean, we got that really glaringly obvious with Frank Darabont. I mean, despite what your anyone's opinion of his, the quality of his um you know, I mean, his filmmaking, I think, is great. I And I was okay with where he was going with The Walking Dead. I was willing to give him a shot. But he did not have really any idea where to take the show. And I think the show has been has more or less spent the last three years since uh, trying to untangle what he did, basically, to season one. So you can't always translate that over. It's not a skill that swaps. Fair enough. I just, as a huge Buffy geek, uh, rack, I, right? some, yes, he was racking. You taste like yeah. strawberries. I mean, it's so creepy. <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that he's a fabulous actor and it was in China Beach and all this other stuff, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh my God, strawberries. And that's all I can think of now. I just, I want to have a scene where he's like holding Beth and goes, you smell like strawberries. It's oh, so God. creepy. Well, and of course he's, he's on Buffy twice. He's also yes. that psychotic vampire that one time. But oh, no. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's a he's a fun he's a fun character actor. I always enjoy seeing him pop up. And uh, but yeah, for me that is Buffy is my first association with him. So uh, I'm sure it'll be interesting to see what comes with that character next. Uh, and and to go back to the comics very briefly, I know that in the the the, the comics the governor was more of like a biker kind of 
you know, the character design and everything of what he like, kind of what he wore and his look and everything. Uh, and so I, I feel like the look of that character sort of matches more with what I was hearing people say about the look of the governor. Are you guys seeing any connection there? Am I, is that an, like a, is that at all connecting or am I just like making stuff up? I think they know they screwed up with the governor. And so they're trying to make up like, you know, make up for it with this new character. I am really excited about, for this new character. I think he's a great actor and I don't think they're going to screw up this storyline. I like the fact that Daryl is now sort of like forced to, continue and move on and journey with these men who he clearly doesn't like and he knows they're bad people uh i want to see what happens with daryl if he's going to have to make some tough choices some tough moral choices um i i i don't know i kind of like fear that daryl's going to do something really bad in the future episodes which is going to piss people off like you know he's been like the good guy like the hero like the person everybody loves and i think they're going to do something this character and he's going to go on a dark path eventually um that's what i think can happen but i think basically you know with all the survivors scattered and we're getting like a lot of these episodes where they are just building on the character showing a lot of cold opens and flashbacks and you know like letting us know who these characters are telling us more about these people that's all good and all but i think the weight of the season rests on the final two episodes so the final two episodes i think are gonna have to be extremely strong otherwise most people are gonna be disappointed because a lot of people aren't too happy with the past two episodes um so I'm curious. I'm just really excited for the last two episodes. And those last two episodes, um, you know, for me personally, they do have to be strong. Otherwise, this would be my least favorite season. I don't know if I um, want to see Daryl go down the dark side, because frankly, that means we're going to have to sit through another redemption arc. And I don't I can't tolerate I can't stand another redemption arc of a character who's a good guy, but does some bad things and then feels really bad about it and talks to his dead wife on the phone. I don't I can't stand it anymore. It's ridiculous. It's overdone. Yeah, or moral or yeah, it, it yeah. shows done that story. So I would not be surprised if they did that, Ricky, but I, I'm with Alex. I really don't want to see it. No, they beat that horse to death and then kept going with those three episodes of the governor, Brian, whatever his name was, wandering around feeling bad about everything. It's like, I'm done. That's, that's a done plot line. The reason I think, besides the fact that Jeff Cober is such an interesting character actor, I think the the Joe Creeper gang is an interesting plot device, mostly because it's one we've never had before. All of the other big bads on The Walking Dead, besides the zombies, have been men looking to exert control on on a chaotic environment. I mean, we had the governor, we had Shane, we've got, you know, frankly, Rick in some aspects of it. I mean, all these bad guys have been jerks who want to control, who want to rule, who want power and and oversight. Joe is just a low-grade asshole. Like, that is what he is. He was the asshole in prior to the apocalypse, and he's now just an asshole with no rules or regulations. Like, there's nobody, there are no cops or anybody to tell him he can't do something, so he's just going to do it. He's not, he's kind of like the zombies in that way. He's not necessarily a force that can be reckoned with. He just is. He's there, and he's going to do what he wants to do, and it's going to be bad. And, you know, heaven help you if you run into him. And I'm really excited about them showing this new thing because I think those guys, the Joes, are the ones that are actually trolling around these woods. I don't think guys like the governor are, are you know, in high demand in the apocalypse. I mean, yeah, we're all looking for community, but, 
you know, the got villains like the governor should be few and far between power hungry, crazy guys. They should be few and far between, but it should be the Joe guys who are out there making, you know, hell on earth. And so it's really kind of refreshing to see the human version of the zombie plague walking around just being a dick, you know, and and a violent, terrifying dick. So it, it's going to be kind of interesting. I'm also kind of curious if they're going to connect this back to the first half of season four, where when Brian was still trying to figure out if he was going to take power or not, they came across a group living in the woods and then decided, oh, we'll let them be. And they wandered off, wandered back, and the group was slaughtered. I'm interested to see if that is a separate creeper gang or if it's joe's creeper gang it'd be kind of i'm sure that the show will decide to go oh it was joe because joe is the only creeper gang wandering around southern georgia but um it'd be uh i'm curious to find out if how many of these psychopaths are are wandering around it would be nice to as much as i say i don't want to keep adding to the character palette it would be nice to see other people wandering around attempting to survive and having stories. I get, Ooh, that's what I really liked about um, the, the last episode where we, with Beth and Daryl, we got to see like the denouements of these other stories of these other lives that had been lived and suffered and died. You know, we get a sense that there are other people living in this, you know, end verse. And we don't get that so much with the, with alone, you'd see the signs. Yeah. But you know, they're just signs. There's no signs of life. Whereas with Beth and Daryl, when they walked into that golf course, I mean, that was, it was fascinating when they walked into the funeral home and it's clearly being utilized. That's interesting. There's other people. And I want to see those other people. I don't necessarily need to get to know them, but I want to see them walk by, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and just, you know, change up the color palette a little bit, you know, with, with the types of characters that they're using. So yeah, I think that that's, uh, there's, there's potential there and seeing how it progresses. One of the shows that is, uh, it's not a a zombie show, but, uh, I think of the, the BBC show, I think it's BBC, the UK show, at least survivors. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about that series was that there, most of the population is dead. Uh, and so the, 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 the thing that separates it from a show like the walking dead is that the people who are still alive are like, Oh my God, there's another alive person. There's so few of us and they, they get very excited and they do have the, the creepy gangs and stuff that come up. There's that, you know, that kind of a figure represents uh, represented in, in the show, but there's still this uh, appreciation of life when they see it that I really appreciate, you know, seeing that, that, um, on that show, whereas on the walking dead, there's this, Oh, people are dangerous. People are, you know, people are bad. All the bad people have, you know, the only people left are the bad people, but we've actually not, like you said, Alex, we've not actually seen that there's been like one or two moments where something like that's come up. But this, like you say, is the first time that we're actually seeing the reason that Daryl is saying that everybody who's still alive is terrible. Is that shouldn't just be the governor. That rest of the people with the governor, for the most part, weren't bad. You know, they may have been misled, but they weren't just straight up bad. So I think that it's important that if they're gonna stick so so stringently to this this worldview that everybody who's still alive is terrible and violent and probably is going to try to kill you if not to steal all your stuff, uh, then I think they need to represent that. So maybe this is what they're going to do with Joe. Well, that, that's why I think that the person that drove off with Beth who clearly is the undertaker and or lived in the funeral home is not actually bad. I mean, 
Beth even said that she thought it was beautiful that he was trying to preserve these corpses and give them a, like, um, you know, like a proper burial and whatnot. Uh, and going back to what you said, Alex, I think you're right. I think we're going to get a flashback that's going to tie back into the scene in the first half of season, uh, first half of season four, in which we do get to see those people dead in the woods. We got three episodes left, and we've spent, um, you know, the last episode specifically with Beth and Daryl. In this episode, they took up a good chunk of the of the running time, and we get Bob, Stuky, of course, Maggie, and um, and Sasha. So I'm assuming the next episode we're going to cut back to Tyrese and the kids and Carol, possibly Rick and Michonne. But it just seems like, uh, like with with the groups completely split up, I don't know how they're going to possibly reunite at the terminus within three episodes. It seems like kind of a stretch. And I'm willing to suspend my disbelief when it comes to watching The Walking Dead because it is a show about zombies. But for them all to reunite so easily, so quickly within three episodes, I don't know if I'm going to like that. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. And I actually would like to see a lot more characters on The Walking Dead. I love movies and TV shows that have a lot of characters so long as those characters are interesting and fun and we get to learn about them and we get to like them and or dislike them but actually care about watching them on screen – um, you know, and it could be a, a villain. It could be a villain that you just happen to like, who's just a great actor with a great character arc, but he's a bad guy. That's fine. Or it could be a little girl like Lizzie. But, you know, I just want to see I'm OK with them introducing more characters, but um, so long as they play their cards right. And I, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of like really excited for the last two episodes. I guess it's the last thing I'm going to say. And I'm really glad we got a dog. And um, that's it. With that, with most of our characters heading to Terminus, I think having them reconvene there, particularly if they don't all arrive at the same day, like if they, the last group gets there and they realize that the other people have been there for like a week or something like that, you know, then I'm absolutely fine with that. How they're going to get Daryl and Beth headed towards Terminus so that that can happen when it looks like, based on what you're saying, Ricky, I would agree probably next week we're going to check back in with Therese and, and the girls and Carol and maybe get that confrontation with Carol and Therese about Karen and everything. Uh, I don't know how that they're going to resolve that. I think the walking dead could benefit from a, a fast forward, you know, like they can just jump like, I don't know, a year ahead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I, there's been some shows that have done it in the past. Like I, you know, when the prison blew up, you know, they, they clearly chose to have these characters scattered and follow each group individually that's fine but they could have also just jumped forward like you know a year or six months or whatnot and all of a sudden they reunite at the terminus and start fresh it is something that they can do they can jump forward like a week or two and they are all at the terminus and maybe sorry maybe with flashbacks later on we can find out how they got to the terminus but i mean how much walking around along the train tracks can we get in the next three episodes well the thing. Yep. as soon as they start walking along the train tracks i don't think we're going to see much of them again until they're there yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to we're going to watch them slowly walk into the train tracks. But um, I do. The only problem I have two, well, I have two problems with the whole flash forward thing. One is The Walking Dead has tried that before and they sucked at it. They when they did that whole let's jump forward to the prison and watch Rick be a farmer. The, we lost all that meat of of watching them change and watching them grow and watching them settle, which is one of the things that the show should be really good at. But it's it's not quite gotten there yet. But the um, with Terminus, I'm not at this point really sure how they're going to get Beth and Daryl back together. They have very conspicuously not shown either of those characters anywhere near train tracks or anywhere near those signs, whereas everybody else seems to 
bluster out of the woods and all of a sudden there's a train track there. Like, you know, I don't know what's going on in that part of Georgia, but Beth and Daryl haven't seen that. So Darryl I also did. Oh, he did? I don't remember that. Train, yeah, the, the, the intersection that he's at. at the oh, end. right, where he's sitting there and he, yeah, he sees the yeah. train tracks. It, yeah. 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 Oh, right, his his choice um, of whether to follow <laughs> this random train track that he doesn't know anything about or go with the creeper gang. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I can't, what I really want is like a Game of Thrones map. <laughs> you know, I want oh, a yeah. map that tells me where these people are because I've only had to kind of, assume that Beth and Daryl are, you know, God knows where away from the train and terminus, whereas everybody else, I guess, decided to just hang out within a couple of miles of the prison. I'm not sure. But if they're that close to the prison, then how did they not see these clearly aged signs that are hanging around all over the place? And where are they? How close are they to this prison? What's going on? And so I can't I can't rectify what's supposed to be happening, what I'm seeing, and how long is it going to take them to get to Terminus? Because I don't know where they are. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, and we were talking about the geography last week, and, like, I'm not American, so my geography when it comes to the United States isn't the greatest, but I was under, under the impression that they were heading towards Washington, but now it seems like they're heading towards Atlanta, and I'm totally confused as to where exactly they are right oh, now. My- only Glenn was going to Washington, and it's a long journey. I mean, I, I have a California public school education, so my sense of it, national geography is not very good either. But they were there's a long way from Georgia to Washington, and I believe they're still in Georgia. But Georgia's also a big state, so I don't – and I, without knowing where the prison is supposed to be, I don't know where where Glenn got off the, the truck. You know, he had been asleep for like three hours or something before he got off, so – I mean, he could be in Kentucky or something, depending on where they were. I, I don't know. But mm. without knowing where the prison is and without knowing how far everybody else scattered, Beth and Daryl couldn't have gotten too far. I mean, you can only walk so far on your own in the night being chased by zombies. So they can't really be more than about 30 miles away at max. But without knowing what direction they're going or what they're doing, it's hard to judge them with everybody else we don't have a sense of time we don't have a no. sense since the prison we don't have that's a continuing complaint for us and yes one of our listeners did point out that andrew lincoln confirmed the timeline of how long it's been since the zombie plague when he was on talking dead i don't care on the show there's no sense of how much time has passed since the uh since since the the outbreak and we still don't really know how that happened even though in characters don't seem to care anymore which fair enough. Uh, we don't have a sense of geography of the immediate surrounding. Like, how far are they from the area where Rick was the sh- the sheriff or the the police officer? We don't really have a sense of that. We don't. I mean, we know they went to the CDC, but that's about it. At least as far as I'm concerned, you'd think that if there was a pr- a prison in in Rick's backyard ish, he would know about it as a law enforcement person, but. So we don't have a sense of geography, both of the United States. Is this is the zombie thing everywhere, or is it just in Georgia? It could just be in Georgia. There's a lot we don't know about this world, and I think the sense of time between the prison and the start of the show, the sense of distance and, and geography of the specifics of, of where they are and also just the, the entire world, 
these are all things that I would like to have a better sense of, even if the characters don't. Well, yeah, and, you know, as they travel, they can play, like, detective. Like, when they arrive at the funeral home, they can go look through the drawers and or try to find out who lives there, try to find some kind of identification, photos, something. You know, give us little clues and hints as to who this person can be, like, tease us a bit. And they aren't doing it. Like, it's the small details that make a huge difference when you watch a show like True Detective and then you watch a show like Walking Dead and they don't focus on these small details, uh, which is something they can do because the world that they create should be just as important as the zombie kills and or the characters. And we don't really get a sense of world building. We just get a bunch of people walking through the woods, which is why I appreciate when they go to like a golf club and or when they go to a funeral home and or when we have something new to look at, like some kind of new set, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, this show apparently has like a huge budget because it's so popular. I'm like, where does the budget go? Because I never see you guys give us anything new to look at when I watch the, True Detective. The, the, the visual effects and the special effects. And I mean, that's where the budget goes. Yeah, exactly. Great. But that's the point. So the budget goes to mostly the gore and the blood and, and those effects, but not really towards world building. Um, and that, that I find more interesting. Like, I would like to see more world building. But, but anyhow. Well, the budget issue is, though, they act, they reduced – that was part of the whole Darabont thing was a reduction of the budget, a massive reduction of his budget, um, and while also expanding the, the season length. And then they – and I believe they dropped it one more time um, with uh, Glenn Mazzara. I can't recall, though. But, yeah, I mean, their budget is a lot smaller, and it shows that it's a lot smaller given the difference between season one and season four where they're basically just kind of living in the woods. Woods are cheap. Woods are free. Woods are easy. So they can spend a ridiculous amount of time wandering around cheap sets, and it shows that they're really – that fire, the graphics in the last episode were so terrible. It was like something on <laughs> Once Upon a Time. It was awful. But, Yeah. Well, and when you're the highest rated show on cable, I mean, I understand, you know, that 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 budgets are tight and all across television this is a very very uh common thing. But at a certain point, you're the highest rated show on cable. Don't try to make them do more with less cuz you uh, you can't do more with less. You can only do less. When, once you've done a few cuts of your budget, there's not more space to cut. So if they want this to be appointment viewing, if they want it to be the the huge action packed buzz buzz show, you know, buzzword kind of show, they need to spend to allow the creative people to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they will. They don't have Breaking Bad anymore on AMC, so they don't have. You know, Mad Men's already set and paid for, so they don't really have any other big flagships. And if they want to make this one outlast um, the death of, of Mad Men in the, in the coming years, they're going to have to really do some major upgrades. Yeah. Oh, I do have one last thing to say. Um, I do like the fact that they're getting a little bit more creative in how they are separating the groups of people. Like before, if they wanted to sort of like separate people, they would just kill them off. Whereas <laughs> now, mm-hmm. like. They're actually separating for specific reasons. And then because they separate, we are getting to know these characters a bit more, which I think is a good thing. So I don't I, I don't dislike this episode. I just don't love it. I just think it's an OK episode. I loved last week's episode, though. OK, well, Alex, any final thoughts? I'm always I'm frequently accused on my reviews of hating The Walking Dead. And why do you watch this if you hate this show and you have so many problems with it? It's not that I have pro- – well, I mean, I do have problems, and they have a lot of problems with the show. But my problems always revolve around the fact that there's so much potential. There's so much greatness just under the surface. 
And I'm so continuously disappointed at how they won't utilize that. Like they just, the, the writers, the showrunners, the people behind the scenes, nobody seems to want to make the show as great as it can be. They're satisfied. It seems with being an okay show. And it's, it's disappointing to me to see them lose that potential. You get these great episodes like clear, you know, where, and, and even claimed in a lot of aspects where they're just these amazing, amazing episodes where I'm really like, you know, this could be the next Breaking Bad. This could actually fill that hole on AMC. And then you get episodes like the last two. And I'm just like, is this 42 minutes up yet? Like, what is going on? Are these people just talking for, you know, the entire episode? So I don't hate the show. I actually really like the show. I wouldn't keep watching and reviewing it if I didn't like the show. But I have sort of this ambivalent relationship with it. You know, I love the concept and I love the overall aspect of it. But I really hate the day-to-day trudging through of some of these episodes. That sounds incredibly familiar. We may have gotten those exact emails for yeah. years. Well, you, you, you know, you know what? Someone should not be reading film reviews or TV reviews if they can't deal with criticism, and that's the whole point in a review. Unless exactly. you want to read a recap, which is a whole entirely different, you know, scenario. If you need to refresh your memory on what the episode's about, okay read a recap but a review is meant to be critical so exactly <laughs> i so like we said earlier since like i enjoyed this episode more than you guys but this has been a really good discussion and i'm absolutely with you guys on several of your points about this episode and also the season as a whole this has been so much fun uh alex where can our, our listeners find your writing online i'm on twitter uh at milo1313 i'm also on tour.com it's t-o-r um, and i'm on tumblr passion is a plagiarism so Stalk me online. And Ricky, how about you? On Twitter, Sound and Sight, although I usually just pimp the articles from our fabulous writers over at soundandsight.org. And of course, Tumblr. Uh, we have a Sound and Sight Tumblr account. And um, do listen to our True Detective podcast and also, Kate, your Hannibal podcast. Yep, that's uh, go- going up over the weekends each week. True Detective, like you said, we'll just be finishing up. That's yourself and Depiance and Gupta from Sound on Sight. Hannibal is myself and Sean Coletti from Sound on Sight. If you want even more podcasting, there's also uh, the Televerse podcast, which comes out every Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning kind of a deal. And that's myself and Simon Howell talking about everything else <laughs> on TV, as well as bringing on different guests. Alex, if you'd like, we'd, we'd love to have you on, uh, talk about you know a less zombie-ish show, maybe over there sometime but listeners can also find me on twitter at the televerse and read way too much talk about tv over at sound insight as well as film and comics and a bunch of other stuff so that's where you can find ricky and myself uh thank you everyone for listening thank you alex again so much for coming on we'll be back next week with another episode of the sound on site walking dead podcast you have been grinning since we left the prison in one piece you're so happy to be alive and why are we walking into the heart of darkness not about me being alive. Uh, do you even know why you're smiling? Oh, yeah. I'm not alone. That's how it happened when I lost my first group and my second group. I broke that streak. You'd be smiling, too. Self-awareness is a beautiful thing. You should try it sometime. Oh, you're not going to take the bait? Nope. You're just as bullheaded as she is sometimes. You know that? 
try.